Welcome to the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast and to a new year. I'm Melanie Blackman, strategy editor and podcast host for Health Leaders. My guest for today's episode is Dr. Alicia Jackson, System Vice President of Population Health Innovation and Policy for Common Spirit Health. During today's conversation, Alicia talks about population health initiatives she's led during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, why it's important for healthcare organizations to focus on population health, and she also shares her leadership background and style, as well as advice for women who are interested in leading in the healthcare sector. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so, so much for joining me on the Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Melanie. It's such a, an important topic, so I'm excited to, to have a conversation about it. To get us started, would you mind sharing a little bit about your healthcare background and how you landed at Common Spirit? Yes, definitely. So um, I am a family medicine physician by training uh, and let my mom tell it. I came out the womb saying I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> so uh, as, as far as I can remember, that is what I wanted to be. Um, I specifically chose family medicine of uh, um, the across the entire care continuum, being able to take care of an entire family from, you know, cradle to grave. Um, and it was the only specialty at the time that was really providing training in community medicine, behavioral health, and, and population health at the time that I finished medical school. And that, that was really uh, what drew me to, to the specialty. So I uh, spent many, many years as a practicing uh, family medicine and did even full scope family medicine, initially out of residency um, in rural South Carolina, and then uh, came back to uh, urban environments, but have always served vulnerable populations from a clinical standpoint. As a part of that that work and that journey, however, realized that there were a lot of things that my patients were dealing with that were really outside of, you know, my control from a clinical standpoint. And so, you know, now a lot of people refer to those things as, you know, social determinants of health. And, uh, you know, just the things that people were experiencing when they left their office and went back home in their community. And so because of that, got highly engaged in community health and really starting to look at, you know, what are those drivers um, of health that, um, you know, when we look at the data and the research, <laughs> the biggest drivers are happening outside of the clinical care walls. And so ended up transitioning over into administration, but uh, in administration to really set community health uh, strategy. Um, health equity strategy with an emphasis on uh, social determinants of health um, over the years. And so I've had the opportunity to now do that in two large integrated health systems uh, and really excited to join Common Spirit just about 18 months ago, actually, <laughs> um, to help our organization really think through our strategy for vulnerable populations. Oh, wow. So you joined at a very interesting time. Um, with the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Wow. So what, what has been your experience joining Common Spirit, you know, 18 months ago and leading those population health efforts and focusing on social determinants of health, which has become 
such an important part of healthcare, um, especially because of the pandemic. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, I think one of the things, again, that drew me to Common Spirit was, uh, one, the mission. Um, and, you know, embedded within our mission is taking care of the vulnerable and focusing on social justice. And, you know, to join an, an organization with that level of commitment during a time where, you know, both of those things were um, significant issues across our country was re- really transformational. And to be with a part of an organization where the senior leadership team, of course, our amazing CEO, Lloyd Dean, and our wonderful board was intentionally making sure that we were addressing uh, those issues at, at a critical time of need. So uh, even though, you know, it was definitely interesting to join an organization and meet everyone virtually because of travel restrictions due to COVID um, and, you know, having to get to know people over Zoom, you know, the organization and everyone who works here are really committed. So, you know, leading during that time has been really interesting. Um, And I think, you know, one of the things that we have to really acknowledge is that our work has changed. Um, and, you know, we, we had to shift virtually to, to virtual even care because of the pandemic. And I, I think for all intents and purposes, some of that is going to remain. You know, I think there are a lot of things that we realize that we can do virtually and leverage technology and digital solutions to really help provide our patients with holistic care. And at the same time, make sure we're not unintentionally creating disparity or widening some of the inequities that exist. So I would say two of the things that I have been excited to help our organization focus on um, over the course of the past 18 months has been virtual patient navigation. And so really leveraging uh, a text message solution with live in-person support as needed um, to help our birthing people through their maternity journey and connecting them to social uh, resources as needed, you know, helping them understand even the changing requirements around what what you can do when you come in to have your baby. Can you have a guest? Can you not have a guest? Are you allowed to order food? Is the cafeteria going to be open? I mean, just so many different things that we took for granted prior to, to the pandemic um, that our patients were really, really struggling with. And, our, you know, this virtual uh, tool has, has stepped in to, to fill that gap and really uh, help navigate patients to resources. And then I would say the other piece of it has been, you know, again, joining this organization where people have been doing this work for a very long time at the individual market levels, but now to make sure we have a strategy around it at the national level and, and how do we do that? So, you know, convened a vulnerable populations council um, that is made up of clinical and operational leaders from across the organization who, again, are committed to taking care of the of the vulnerable every day. And so being able to bring them all together on a monthly basis, identify, you know, best practices, identify needs um, and, and barriers that they may be experiencing um, and step in and, and help uh, when we can. Um, and, it, and a great example of that, I would say, was around um, as the vaccine started to become available, acknowledging uh, that there was vaccine hesitancy in, and especially in some of our vulnerable populations and in our communities of color. 
and recognizing, you know, why, you know, the why, why that might be, and what are some resources and tools that we could use as care providers to help address some of those concerns to ultimately have that person make the best decision for their long-term health. And so through the Vulnerable Populations Council, since that existed, we were able to really quickly address that, create different resources even for our providers um, to have those conversations with certain, certain populations and also stratify who we need to be reaching out to directly to encourage people uh, to get the vaccine, especially if they were considered high risk for um, hospitalization or death. No, that's really great. Um... Common Spirit Health has definitely been an organization that I've admired. Um, you know, really watching them walk the talk <laughs> and really yeah. making taking steps towards addressing social determinants of health and health equity. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why it's important for hospitals and health systems to focus on population health initiatives and kind of what 2022 can kind of look like with population health? Yes. So that's a great question. Um, and, you know, it's exciting to see that most, if not all, healthcare systems um, and healthcare companies, not just healthcare provider systems, but you even see, you know, health tech companies and health retail companies <laughs> Um, really starting to to focus on population health. And, you know, I think if we're honest about what we have today, the reality is we have a healthcare delivery system that is really built around illness and disease. You know, you yourself probably try to avoid the doctor as much as you can, right? So, um, <laughs> and I think we have a unique opportunity to really re redesign you know, the system to to focus on health and wellness. And, and as a part of that, really making sure that that's grounded in equity and grounded in, in justice. Um, and and that's, where, that's what population health does. You know, it really is across every discipline, it's multidisciplinary, multiple stakeholders, you know, and it, it really is ultimately focused on improving health outcomes. And not just for individuals, which is critically important, but also for the community, right? Uh, and so I think that's, you know, why it's so critical and I'm so excited to see most organizations really starting to, to focus on population health. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, part of that is really even helping, you know, what are some of those drivers of the healthcare delivery system as it exists today? And, and I think population health can, can actually help to start to shift some of those drivers. Um, so, you know, right now we are still a predominantly fee-for-service type of, of industry, right? So, you know, as a, as a family medicine physician, you know, I may get paid based on the number of people I see in a day um, or the number of procedures I, I may perform. And, and, you know, what population health management is doing is really shifting to value-based care, um, and, and contracting that really supports that, <laughs> that concept, which is more around, you know, how, how well is the population that you're taking care of? So in your patients with diabetes, you know, do they have adequate control, control over their sugar? 
And so, you know, it's it's a different way of thinking, but ultimately it's really pushing us into that value-based care model, um, which is critically important for us to ultimately get to improved health outcomes in the in the communities that we're serving. Absolutely. I'm really interested to see how the healthcare system kind of makes its way to value-based care and, and kind of what next year and, and the next, you know, five to 10 years, what that's going to look like. Yes. Yes. We're, we're, we're on the path. I mean, we're definitely on the path. And, and honestly, I think the pandemic has accelerated that um, in, in certain aspects, especially around virtual care and telehealth, for example. Um, you know, that has really broadened the way in which we, we can deliver care. And, and I don't think that cat is going back in the bag. <laughs> so, um, you know, how do we continue to, to support that? And again, make sure that our communities, especially, you know, some of our rural communities and other uh, communities that may not have even things like digital access, right, or broadband access, you know, how do we make sure we're working with partners to provide the, the patients and the communities with what they need? Absolutely. Well, I'd like to switch gears a little bit, Alicia, and talk about you. Um, so how would you describe your leadership style and how is your work in administration and your background as a family medicine physician kind of helped define that? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say my leadership style is more of a facilitative and supportive style. I am very much about engaging in conversations. Um, and uh, welcoming all kind of different thoughts and opinions. Um, I think that, you know, including ones that I may not share, um, because I think that's where we can ultimately, when you think about from a diversity of thought standpoint, get to some of the most, you know, amazing innovation <laughs> that, that we have seen. And so very, um, very supportive of that kind of dialogue, very collaborative, you know, especially as it relates to taking care of communities and, and populations that we're serving, you know, it's not just the healthcare system's responsibility, you know, it's also the education system and the criminal justice system and the private industry sector. So, you know, uh, all of us have to, to really work together to improve community health. And so being very collaborative has, uh, is, is, you know, definitely a, a key skill uh, of, uh, or I would say defining uh, aspect of my leadership style. And I think um, from a family medicine standpoint, again, you know, we take care of so many different people. And like I said, one of the reasons I chose family medicine was because of its curriculum and commitment to community health. And I also think because, you know, we experience so many different areas uh, within our training and ultimately in our practice that we tend to be natural, I would say. <laughs> we tend to be natural kind of consensus builders and um, collaborators and also pretty flexible because, you know, as a family medicine doctor, you never know what's going to come through your door. You know, you may have a, a wellness visit. 
um, your first, you know, your first appointment and then your next appointment might be someone who's dealing with diabetes and then your next appointment might be someone who's dealing with depression and anxiety um, or all the above, right? So I think telemedicine has really helped me, you know, be flexible and be adaptable um, and, and also really listen because, you know, often people are dealing with multiple different issues and, you know, you want to make sure that you are there for, for that person and, and really listening to what they have to say. So uh, I am clearly biased as a family medicine physician because uh, I, I think we are naturally suited to, to really step into leadership roles as it relates to um, a lot of different areas, but definitely in population health. No, I mean, I've talked to a lot of a lot of people and a lot of women in leadership, and I, I definitely have to agree with you on that. Um, it definitely <laughs> has shined through for sure. Let's see. So what advice do you have for women who want to either serve in leadership roles in the healthcare sector or who want to make a difference in healthcare policy? Oh, my goodness. So I would say the first thing is that, you know, you are needed. We are needed um, as as women uh, in leadership, specifically in healthcare. You know, if you really think about it, I often say and I've, and I've heard others say that women are the chief medical officers of their homes. And if you really think about it and look at the data, we know that women make between 70 and 80 percent of the healthcare decisions within households, right? Uh, And we also make up, you know, depending on which data set you look at, we make up close to 80% of the healthcare workforce. And yet, we make up less than 20% in uh, administrative leadership positions within the healthcare sector. And so I think, you know, we are definitely needed uh, in, in this space, really recognizing that our voice matters. And again, especially if we're the ones making the decisions anyway, <laughs> for the most part, uh, for our families and even for our, for our communities, you know, we, we have to own that our voice really does matter. And then I think the last thing is just that, you know, we have such a tremendous opportunity to make a difference and never doubt that. You know, I think that's something that I struggled with and, and still struggle with at times. You know, am, am I Am I making a difference? Do I have a an opportunity to make a difference here? And and the reality is is that we do, even in our day to day lives. So never underestimate the amount of impact that you can have. It, you know, now I often tell people a smile can go a long way. <laughs> so we have that ability to really have an impact. But just think about, you know, especially coming together, supporting one another, um, and 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 positioning each other to really have these opportunities for leadership is extremely important. So those would be the, the, the things that I would, I would advise any woman who is interested in, in coming into this space. Come on, join us. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> no, not, those are all really great advice. Thank you so much for sharing those. And you know, also, again, thank you so much for joining me on the Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast and, and sharing your expertise and your background with us. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast. 
Until next time, keep taking care of your patients and each other. Mm-hmm.